0: Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today. Sun's out. It's a windy, chilly day. <laughs> Imagine that. You're in early February. But uh, we're going to keep it warm with Tech Talk. If you're having computer problems, hardware, software, whatever, this is a show for you. Doug Swinhart is on board. My name is Steve Thompson. Kerry Klatt is our producer. And the key number You can send your text or you can call the studio and we'll get you on the air. And uh, we invite you to to text and call early because we can promise we'll get you in by the end of the program today. We always get a lot of calls uh, and we get a lot more texts as well. So if you've got a thought for Doug... Uh, by all means, send it to us now, six five one four six one nine two two six. Uh Doug, good to visit with you. Uh, wh- what have you been seeing in your shop this week?
1: Oh, you know, I, I got to do two Macs, and I had uh, one lady that brought in an Asus laptop that uh, had been set up with Bitdefender, and she didn't remember her password, Uh-oh. and it spent some time putting that together. But uh, other than that, just normal calls, the big thing is is I think people are starting to do backups. And we did save that lady's data with uh, the ASUS. I really liked that machine when I got it done. But um, I think that machine was actually shipped with um, BitLocker turned on. And you've got to be a little bit more open than that. I think that people got to watch that BitLocker. It's, uh, it can be devastating. You encrypt all your files, and then you have a disk crash. Oh, boy.
0: Yeah. Um, Doug, let's talk a little bit about that. And it comes up from time to time. And that is uh, the sticky problem of passwords. And over the years, I have come up with this scheme. And I'm not going to give it all away. But it's a series of passwords that I rotate through that have meaning for me. And they have a couple of words and numbers and a symbol, and I use that group of passwords for just about everything. Now, there's some passwords in some sites, especially at work, where I'll take their recommended password, save it in my browser on my work computer, and it's strictly work-related stuff. But for my personal stuff, and I I talked to my dad about this, and, and he got on board as well, because it's much easier to remember if the password is meaningful to you and it fits into a scheme that you understand. So that way, um, if you go, I can't remember the password, you've got two or three that are your go-to passwords and you're not going to get locked out. You're not going to have other difficulties. Uh, well, Doug, I, I don't that... know if you, what you recommend to other people, but that's worked really well for me.
1: I generally start, if I'm explaining passwords to people with that very same explanation. And, the, you know, the different variations is what actually counts. And if if to have a complex password, one gentleman in particular, I said, well, what's your favorite song? And he kind of told me what the song was, and it happened to have like eight words that was the, during the melody. And I said, well, just use the first letter of each one of those words. And it came out to be a completely nonsensical word. And but he those capitalized are good. two of them and turned one of them into a number, and that was it. Never had a problem again.
0: Yeah, and 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 those those are the ones something that is meaningful and you can remember. And and I think those uh, most important passwords. Say for instance, you have Gmail and you have a Gmail account. That is a very important password. And anybody who has Gmail or uh, a Google account knows that there there are passwords that are more meaningful. And then you start getting into bank accounts and credit cards and those sorts of things. And those are also very meaningful. So it it's critically important that you come up with a scheme that's meaningful for you. And having a combo platter of, of letters or words, uh, numbers, and... Symbols now, now, some websites don't accept symbols, they have specific rules, etc, but but in general, what I came up with a number of years ago continues to work well and seems to be pretty secure.
1: Oh, no question about it. I, this is just uh, well whatever you have to do that 's a science. but when you mention Google, I actually save my passwords in a spear word doc up in Google Drive. I've never had a problem. I always have access to it, and that is the one password that's my go-to password is to get into my Google account. Yep. Once I'm there, I own it. And the thing is, is the part that you hit really hard on is it has to be meaningful. I had one lady years ago that she did love diamonds. So we took the word diamond, capital D, I, and I did an exclamation mark instead of an I, so it's an upside-down I. A, I used an at sign, M, and I used a zero for the O and D. She never had a problem remembering her password again.
0: Yeah, it, so so that is the key. Another one is taking advantage of that, uh, I I call it two levels of, of security. Uh, there's a lot of different names for it. But if you log on to a site, they'll send a text to your cell phone. And that, that's two levels of authentication. I, I know there is other terminology, but, but I really like that feature. And that's becoming more and more popular. And for me, I take advantage of that anytime I can.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, if people, once they start to understand how passwords and security works, uh, both Google and Apple have really pushed the dual authentication. And it's a good thing. And we are relying more and more on a verification for passwords via our cell phone. That's really, if you're losing your cell phone, you're going to react to that immediately. I'm not going to say it could never happen, but that tool authentication, unless you're setting somebody else's computer up, can be kind of a hassle. But we gotta—we got to realize that this is an important factor that we live with every day. And I think people should have a couple of... Accounts where they're using dual authentication until they get used to it. Once they get used to it, change them all. Another thing with passwords is don't use one account to log into another. You'll be surfing the net and you'll go, oh, yeah, I want to sign up to log into this website. It says, well, use your Facebook account. Use your Google account. Use your Apple account, mm-hmm. iCloud account. I recommend you never do that. You just open yourself up to a world of hurt if either one of those passwords happen to become corrupt. It's not worth it. Stay
0: away from that nonsense. Yeah, uh, very good advice, and I know we could uh, do an entire show on that, but those those are some quick ones, uh, quick tips. Uh, But you may hear it called two-factor authentication or dual authentication. They're the same Mm -hmm. thing. But typically what it is, you need a password to log in, and then they will send a code typically to your cell phone, and they'll, they'll generally I use text. So you grab your phone, you get that code, you punch that in. That's an extra level of security. I think anytime it's available, I always take advantage of it. All right, let's get to the tech slide here uh, to get us started on the program today. And we're going to open up with uh, Windows 11. Uh, and <laughs> Doug, it's, it's simply what is Microsoft doing with Windows 11? Why are they releasing uh, a product with so many problems and glitches?
1: Well, I, you know, your guess is as good as mine, and I, I just don't get it. I look at Windows 11, and a lot of things that I am used to from Windows 7 and Windows 8 and even Windows 10, some of it now is missing. I, I'm not certain what the idea is, but, you know, you know, people get into a habit of setting up their desktop a certain way, and I just don't quite understand it. In addition to that, I'm seeing a whole bunch of limitations being set up on our power savings. I don't care for that either. I think that the end user, the owner of the computer, should really have the final say on how that power settings is set. And you got to jump through all kinds of hoops to have anything other than suspend and make your screen go black. It's just bizarre. There's a lot of things in Windows 11 that just kind of rub me the wrong way. So. But for me to explain Microsoft, oh boy. I have no idea what their motivation is. I doesn't make sense to me either, and I'd have to agree with the texter.
0: Yeah, and, and Doug, it, it seems like this has been going on for ages in general with their products that they are released, and there's patches and all sorts of things going on. That And and I suppose that's typical of any software where they're going to find something or they're going to upgrade or, or you need to update. I, I I get all of that. But I get back to one thing with Windows 11. If your machine's running fine, whether it's Windows 7 or Windows 8 or, or for that matter, Windows 10, and it's running fine, why bother if it's running fine? I wouldn't.
1: Take a machine and you want to tinker? By all means. I encourage that. But not on a production machine. Not on a machine you're paying your bills with and getting your email daily and that kind of thing. It's just not worth it.
0: Yeah. So stick uh, stick to what works uh, when, when you rely on it for your email and your banking and other personal business, let alone a work machine. Now let's go to the phone lines before our first break in the program today, and we want to throw that number out again, 651 is Tech Talk. Doug is joining us until the news at 3 o'clock. Janice in St. Francis, you're on the air. Hello, Janice. Hello guys how are you good my question is
1: I, when i go onto my computer firefox keeps coming up um and it says fix now or accept the risk do i press fix now when i have before it says no security issues are de- detected so how do i stop that from doing that i think that might one of two things but first thing i would do is I actually would uninstall Firefox completely. And once that's uninstalled, I would run uh, ADW Cleaner, which is a free program. And you can get that, just go open up any browser. In fact, you might even want to use the Firefox browser before you take it off. And just in the Google box, just type ADW Cleaner, no spaces, space bar, and then type in Major Geeks. Major Geeks is a huge huge file depository take you right to a download download adw cleaner run it and it'll clean it and you'll reboot once that's done reinstall firefox and i believe your problems will be taken care of uh if not give me a call later next week and we'll get you taken care of i hope that helps
0: all right uh before we go to break a d w cleaner is, is is that the one you recommend, and yeah. it, it is a free program we haven't talked about it in a while real quickly, Doug what, what does that program do?
1: The malware bytes company uh, put this out to make sure your com- your computer's clean prior to installing malware bytes, and they know people like me use it all the time, and they encourage that because it puts their name out there, but it's a free program and it's put out by a company that I trust one hundred and ten percent. You never have a problem with this. It just works. Just absolutely just works. Works in all versions of Windows and it, easy to put in. Once you install it, if you, you take it out if you want to, if you want to leave it installed, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's a smaller program. It takes a real small footprint. But the big thing is, see, is when you download this and you install it without a reboot, it, the bad software can't shut it off before it has a chance to work. It's in memory. It's in your, in your active RAM. Once you run it, it'll clean everything off, and you'll reboot. It'll give you a report as to what it found, and you'll just move on. it like, And take maybe half an hour at the most, if that, depending on your Internet speed and, and um, your technical ability. But It's a quick, fast fix. And then reinstall Firefox, and I would also ins- suggest that you might want to get even yet another browser. If you've got Google Chrome, download Chromium. Even though it's the Linux version, so-called, or, uh, the Chrome version of Linux, it's uh, it's available, runs on anything. Another great browser uh, would be the Iron Browser, which is s r s w r sware, and that's kind of a. It's still built on a Chrome core, and there's lots of Vivaldi used to be known as Opera, and Opera's still available. And there's lots of browsers out there. You should have three or four of minimum. That way, when something like that happens in your work, you and just flip to the next browser. But get this thing taken care of. I think
0: you'll be well-pleased with ADW Cleaner from Malware Bites. All right, quick break. We'll have more with Doug coming up. It is Tech Talk, 651-461-9226. Use that to call the program or send us a text. We'll get right back to all those texts, including more on Windows 11. We'll get another uh, update on the difference between CCleaner and Provisor. Uh, we've got uh, something on a Mac as well. A- an old Mac in the spotlight coming up here on Tech Talk. A news talk, E3O-WCCO. Tech Talk, Doug Swinhart in here on a sunny breezy for Saturday in February. Uh, February is a short month. It'll be March before you know it. Uh, we're, we're turning the corner. I heard in the weather with Al uh, we could see 40. Uh, in the coming weeks, so so that is certainly good news, um, Doug. We already have a ton of texts on the program. Uh, l- let's get going on that. Um, this is a good one. Uh, what's going to happen to 3G devices? And now there's a big rollout of of 5G uh, cellular service or fifth generation. But but what about these older devices? Are, are still going to be able to get a signal? on a 3g device
1: it sounds to me like they're going to shut it off i'm just i'm, I'm amazed at this i this forced marketing i am a little disturbed by this but it does not i was reading a couple articles this week on that it sounds to me like the phone the phone providers uh, have gotten together and said well you know let's uh get this 5g rolling it's not i don't think it's ready for prime time yet it's but we're you have 4g and 5g and if if you don't have a phone that will have five G, well, you're just out of luck. Gotta go buy a new phone.
0: All right, Doug, I think you muted yourself accidentally there. Why don't we? Oh, I'm no, sorry. You... No, no worries.
1: I think that um, th- this this forced marketing. I'm I'm a little concerned with this. I think that it's a bad thing. I, I wish we had a little more consumer protection, but it sounds to me like they're they're going to force this issue. That 5G, if you don't have a phone that's got 5G, you don't have a phone. Oh, man, that's that's harsh. I, I'm hoping that the reports are exaggerated and somebody takes a common-sense approach to this, but we just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, and hopefully, uh, you know, we get some advanced warnings. As I've talked about on recent shows, you know, we are now all free of our contracts. We don't owe the phone company uh, or or the the, the wireless provider. Any money for phones. Everybody on our plan, including uh, my oldest daughter, who who lives out of the home now, um, is still on our plan. Everybody's paid up, so now we're free agents. I, I like to borrow a sports term to go out and shop for the best deal, and we're still in the midst of doing that. But, you know, nevertheless, um, they, they, they try and keep their hooks in you by by having that phone on a payment plan or a, a two-year contract, ideally. And once you get a lot of people on your plan, it's you're, you're constantly uh, under contract. So right now we're free agents, and it's a pretty good feeling. But, uh, yeah, uh, once again, as technology changes. One of the other things you brought up about 5G or fifth-generation cellular service is this, is that the range isn't quite as good. So depending on where you live and where you travel, that could be a challenge as well moving forward and i can't imagine you know the the, the 4g towers are going to come down anytime soon i hope not anyway
1: oh man you got you gotta, you gotta I, I think it's just harsh it, yeah holy smokes I, yeah. how many people are just hanging on and you, you can't hardly exist in the on a world today without a without a smartphone i i'm i'm mind boggled by all of it, I, yeah. it it's not good
0: yeah it, it is tough um back to our text line uh And this is a a good one, and it'll probably take us to the break. Uh, We've talked about it a lot over the years, a program called C-Cleaner. And -hmm. that's just the letters, C-Cleaner. And then, of course, as of late, talked a lot about Provisor. Uh, Which one do you prefer? Uh, Can you use both? Well, I think you can. Uh, The big thing there is... uh... Doug, you muted yourself again. Oh, I see that yeah uh,
1: the big thing here is is provisor doesn't actually have anything that rides in active memory sea cleaner has one that stays in memory and just kind of keeps track of stuff uh, but yeah you could have them both installed I don't know if I would recommend that because there's really no reason to have two sea uh, cleaner has a couple of advantages over provisor uh, the uninstaller and the startup. Uh, series where you can actually go in and see what programs are being started up automatically. And you can kind of uncheck them and reboot and see if anything's missing. Hopefully you get rebooted. And then you can go back in and make the adjustments. That's one thing that Provisor does seem to miss. But I got to tell you, Provisor goes so deep into Windows 10 and 11, and it's not bashful at all with the telemetry and the privacy issues it goes in and it cleans up all of the old windows and straw files. CCleaner doesn't go that deep. It does a nice job of keeping you running and taking out your temp files. But when it comes to real, really being active in the privacy sector, I think that Provisor is going to win this battle. You can have both. CCleaner is a great program. Don't get me wrong. I used it for years and years and years. Uh, they might be fall a little bit behind at the new technology, but they 'll catch up won't take long it's um it's a horse apiece, but i 'm kind of i 'm biased towards provisor in all honesty. I just love this program it 's so fast once you get through your first scan and it you give it time to completely clean even the empty space on your drive, especially with SSD drives. This thing just does a wonderful job i 've yet to see a computer that didn 't run ten fifteen percent at minimum faster. It's just a great program.
0: Here's a good follow-up to C Cleaner or Provisor. Uh, Beyond a Windows machine, is there any need, for instance, on a Chromebook or a Mac? Uh,
1: Chromebook, no. Mac, yes. Uh, There are several programs for a Mac that you can use. Um, One of the best is free. It's called Onyx, O-N-Y-X. Been around for decades. It's a great program. Um, I had jumped on their site last week, and for the first time, it looked to me like they were asking for some additional donations. First time ever, um, so if you get that, might want to send them five, ten bucks. There's another one called Clean My Mac that's extremely popular today. One of my favorites is one called Tg Pro. This thing is just awesome, and it's a I like this because it gently leads people and educates them a little bit more about the Mac system in such a way to where. As you're tuning up your computer, you've got this learning thing going on. Now, it's not as graphical and pretty, but it certainly is effective. And TG Pro, from a company called, and you're going to love this, Tuna Belly Software. <laughs> it's a, but they do really good work. And if I'm not mistaken, you can buy that program, usually at a discount. I think retail is $20. I picked it up for the Mac I was working on last week, and I got a bundle deal for $11. And they threw in this little disc Good. cleaner. Man, what a beautiful package.
0: All right, quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about a Mac from 2009 and uh, much, much more here on Tech Talk. Quick weather break. And then more with Doug here on News Talk. E3O WCCO. Tech Talk with Doug Swinton continues until 3 o'clock. And the news And you're invited to call or text. Phone number and text number are the same. It's easy, 651-461-9226. 651-461-9226 here on the program. And, uh, Doug, let's go back to that text line. And I have a 2009 Mac. I can no longer do updates. Is there a workaround? What do I do with this machine?
1: Oh, what a great text. I just got done working on a 2009 iMac. Apple actually kind of lightened up on their updating and keeping their computers running a year or so ago. But the iMacs, they kind of held them right there. This particular machine, it really needed some serious cleanup because the last version it can install is uh, El Capitan. And I took the drive out, put in a solid state drive. I mirrored the old Al Capitan because we can't install, but now their hard drive is safe, their data is safe, and it allowed me to get kind of aggressive with the operating system. Once done, I installed a dual boot with Linux. You should see this thing run in Linux Mint. The latest version of Linux Mint, this thing, it just purrs like a kitten. It running about 20 degrees cooler with Linux than it did with the Mac operating system. All the bells and whistles, everything works, camera, the whole nine yards. I think that this is a a well-built machine, and I agree. They should keep running. Keep them going. And not an easy procedure with a Mac, but it can be done, and it's lots of information on the Internet in case you wanted to do it yourself. If not, give me a call. I'd love to work
0: with you. All right. Uh, Very good. Uh, Those old machines definitely uh, should be kept running if they uh, boot up. And, run, and they need to be updated, absolutely. There's no reason to throw some of these old machines out. Um, and and try and keep those in business. Some of this older equipment is very good, isn't it, Doug?
1: Well, it's absolutely top shelf. Now, this is a, was an Intel uh, Core 2 tool, and people are all screwed up about megahertz speed. But yet this machine, in 2009, came with a 2.6 gigahertz processor. Well, if you've got a quad processor today that's... At 1.2, which they're selling on the guise of on the on the face of well, we're going to save power. Well, I'd rather have a computer that's stable. I'd pay an extra 17, 18 cents a year for electricity. They're not taking that much. They're putting too much emphasis on this power-saving stuff. And some of these older Macs and older PCs, they start out with a base processor that's faster than you can even buy today. So let's not be jumping to conclusions that just because they're dusty, they're old and need to be replaced. Not the case.
0: Uh, Doug, can you explain why it's beneficial to use multiple browsers? We brought that up before the break, and we have talked about it for years. Having Google Chrome and Firefox and, you know, if if you have Microsoft, you probably have the Edge browser browser. Sure. Uh, and if you have a Mac, you probably have Safari, which is a very good browser. But having multiple browsers available, why is that a good idea?
1: Oh, it's an absolute must today. Uh, just this old Mac, for example. The Safari browser no longer is effective browser. It's there. Uh, you can use it, but I certainly wouldn't recommend you going on any kind of a base site with that. So after I got El Capitan cleaned up, I put uh, the Brave browser on. I put the Chrome browser and the Chromium browser. And then a fresh install of Firefox. So they still have four other browsers that can be used. And I actually took Safari off the bar. And I explained this to the user. You can, you, if, if Apple doesn't want to update that browser, it's dangerous to use. It really is. And you can actually remove it from the Mac OS. But I'm not one to be getting quite that aggressive with somebody else's equipment. I did suggest, however, that they do that. Multiple browsers are an absolute must. Different websites will render the content differently than a a separate browser. One will come in, the the content is perfect. Another one will allow pop-ups, where the other one won't. You'll quickly get to figure out your go-to browser for the websites that you visit frequently. And I, I got three, four of them open all day long, and I think a lot of people do. This is just a good idea. And not to mention, if something goes wrong and the browser crashes, you have another browser you can at least get on the Internet and do some research or get a hold of somebody that will help you get it fixed. You must have multiple browsers today. Absolute must. No question about that.
0: All right. Uh, Very good. Uh, Multiple browsers. Certainly an important thing. Um, Doug, back to Provisor. We do this every show. Uh, we'll we'll spell it out again uh, for folks. Uh, Doug, uh, just slowly spell provisor.
1: Oh sure, it's a P-R-I-V is in victory, a apple z is in zebra e r dot com. It's kind of a cross between optimizer and private, but it's P R I V A Z E R dot com. Super program should be in the top ten of everybody's mind that has a windows machine in my opinion it's just a great product
0: um here's a good one um is it possible to retrieve my documents information from a desktop hp that died i can't even get it to turn on where would i take it how much would that cost now if it won't even turn on that that could be a relatively easy fix
1: Oh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up first. Yeah, It might be as, as simple as a $40, $50 power supply that you, uh, that you four bolts on the back. If it's a desktop, it's ATX. Uh, plug in the wires on the inside and go. And don't be afraid to open these things up and take a look at them. They're nowhere near as complex as people think. Just take your time and keep in mind we never, ever force in the inside of a PC or especially a laptop. Very gentle. Everything is just easy, does it? But if it's a power supply, well, you get a really cheap one, I'm sure, for twenty, thirty bucks, but that's gonna be solid. it'd be like sitting next to a vacuum cleaner in a very short time. But if you spend somewhere around fifty, sixty dollars, you'll even have a nice quiet one that'll last you a while. Other than that, if it's not the power supply, if it happens to be a bad motherboard where it won't even transfer current, that hard drive needs to come out and plugged into a Linux machine or some other way to make certain that your drive is good. And you can pick up an external case for that drive at Micro Center, um, around about 20, 30 bucks at most, and put it in there. And once you get your data off, you could format that hard drive and it could be a great little backup drive for you. Yeah, your data should is likely safe. It's very, very likely safe. Yeah, pretty uncommon that a computer motherboard or power supply and hard drive and all of the components in between are in a state of failure simultaneously. Remember, these things are designed to protect the data. That hard drive is the last thing to see electricity, the last thing to see a a, a volt, a, a jolt in electricity, the last thing to see low power. They're designed to protect data, the older ones even more so than the new ones. This is a, a prime example where we should have copies and backups already made, but if you don't, it's probably salvageable. That's... Um, when people find that, oh, don't turn anymore, and they go, oh, I don't have a backup, it's panic. And hopefully we get that back for them, and I hope that helps.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, but if it won't even start up, that that screams power supply. And a follow-up on that, if you go out and buy an external hard drive, they're available all over town. Uh, they're very cheap uh, right now. Storage is incredibly cheap, absolutely, uh, well, it's not free, but but almost, Uh, they make it very easy. Now, what external hard drive do you recommend if someone wants to back it up on that? Because there's some that that just make it falling off a log easy.
1: Yeah, well, I'm not real big on the ones that do the automatic programs and do full backups. And I I don't care about backing up the operating system. It's too time-consuming. But any of them, you plug into a USB, they just pop up. And if you open up two Explorer windows, if you happen to be in Windows, two Windows Explorer windows, one up on the left for your source, one over on the right for your target, you find your files that you want to copy, shade them, click copy, right-click and click copy, slide over to your target, target, do a quick left-click, that becomes your working environment, do another right-click, slide down in the window and click, paste, that's it. Just make sure you hit copy and not cut. Just use a little caution. It'll be you know, relatively new when you first start it, but I guarantee you within 10, 15 minutes of playing with this, it'll feel like you've been doing this for a year. It's very simple process, especially once you see it. It's just the way to go. Uh, if I was going to recommend a hard drive today, uh, external, I probably would say take the people, connect to them remotely, open up Amazon. Show them the cost of an internal SSD drive, $30, $40 for 256 gig. Buy an external case for that, another $10. Put that drive in there. So for $50, you've got a 256 gig drive that's a solid state that runs at that speed. It's really the way to go. Now, you're hindered somewhat for speed by the USB. But if you've got a USB 3 or the new Mini Class 1 or three usb it flies i mean it really moves way beyond anything. plus not gonna generate any heat take less electricity and you got one cable going to your computer instead of the two a lot of the three and a half inch drive enclosures you have to have an ac adapter there's a cable then you got to have one that connects to your computer with the small ssd drives they run just like a flash drive one usb it's powered and data transfer all in one spot really convenient Think about building your own. Save a ton of money.
0: Yeah, uh, it it's just with the cost of storage space, uh, it, it is a no-brainer. But it, this is one thing we want to follow up on backups. If people are thinking about getting an external hard drive backing up their data, that's great. Probably not enough. Uh, it would be God ideal if you you have that. That hard copy, if you will, or or something that you can hold in your hand, like an external hard drive. But having some sort of backup in the cloud as well is important.
1: Oh, goodness,
0: yes. Bare minimum,
1: three copies. A working copy on your computer. On something that's an external. Maybe you take it to the bank. Maybe you put it in your purse if it's small or your backpack. And then, of course, cloud storage. And there's plenty of cloud storage. That automatically gives you three full copies of everything that's important. And here's the thing I would say to avoid. Try to keep your duplication to a minimum because once people learn this copy program, the, the copy process, they start copy, 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 paste, 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 paste. Well, pretty soon, they've got data everywhere, and they don't know what's what and when they did it. you got to come up with a filing system for naming your folders or your directories and subfolders or subdirectories, however you want to term it, it's fine with me. Uh, but you got to have some type of system that is relevant, and you can take one look at a glance, and you realize exactly what your philosophy was, and easy to find files. You don't want to be running searches on everything that gets lost. Too time-consuming. Much better just to file it properly right away, especially with pictures. These things are numbered and dated, and well, we gotta gotta start putting some names to them. At the very least, open up and create a folder, put 2022-02-10 for the day, and that way when you do a reverse sort, sort in a descending manner, your most recent will be up on top. And do that every month, And those are where, that's for avid photographers now, you at least got your pictures separated by time. And that is huge, especially for somebody taking a lot of photographs. I've seen people with photographs, Steve, that have over 300 gigabytes of pictures. Wow. A lot of pictures. And they can take up some space if you leave them in the raw format. And I hope that helps.
0: Quick break. We'll come back, wrap up Tech Talk on this Saturday with Doug. The number, we've got time for a quick text or two. 651 six, two, two, six. Six, six, two, two, six here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. But the hour goes so quick here on Tech Talk. Doug Swinart joining us here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. And we're going to try and squeeze in as many questions from our text line as we can uh, between now and the end of the program uh, I have malware bytes premium. Do I need ADW cleaner as well?
1: I doubt it uh, ADW cleaner is up uh, is an instant clean uh, might want might not be a bad idea to keep a copy of, but that's usually something that is uh, um, uh, a correction to a problem or an issue that's happening immediately and even if you had it downloaded, it's going to have to go out and update itself. So you're probably better off just to download it and install it when it's needed. I think you're good to go. Uh, if you got got bytes on and it was installed when your computer was clean, you're very unlikely to have an issue, in my opinion. They really do good work. It's an excellent, excellent company to work with. Great support. Decent prices. Now, antivirus and malware has gone up somewhat in the last couple of years, but I look around and I wonder what hasn't. So I think that's uh, more than fair. Great company to work with. No, I don't think so. I don't think you need it.
0: Yeah, I, I think just about everything has gone up in price. Uh, buying fuel right now for the vehicle oh. is is no bargain for sure. Uh, he, here's one, Doug. I have a problem sending email on my MacBook Air. It times out with the SMTP server. Uh, what could be going on here
1: Oh, that's bizarre.
0: That sounds more like an internal network thing.
1: Possibly uh, network collisions or, yeah, that's really strange. If you're using your browser, I would recommend that you clear your cache, clear your history, all your cookies, just start fresh. That might help. Um, I would be really checking to see, and it depends on what your email address is too. But that's uh, that's very unusual. Yeah, email is such a staple today that, most system administrators just have it right down to a science. Uh, that's um that's very unusual. I, uh, I'd actually like to take a look at that machine to see what's happening. I just don't think that it's, there's something off. It's, it, I don't think it's the email. I think it's something else.
0: All right, DuckDuckGo is advertising a lot. We get a lot of questions about it. Uh, earlier in the program, we talked about brew-up browsers like Safari or Google Chrome or uh, Mozilla, Firefox, uh, Top Browsers, Microsoft, Edge. DuckDuckGo is a search engine like Google is. If you bring up Google, whatever uh, browser you're in, that's a search engine. DuckDuckGo is the same thing. What are the advantages?
1: Oh, it's a DuckDuckGo? Oh, yeah. they're huge. Um, i actually been using DuckDuckGo probably, I would say, at least 50 60% of my searches. And the other night, I decided to take a look at my privacy thing in Google, and in a very short time, when I take a look at this, and they'll show you how they have structured your profile, so to speak, out of five items, they only got, or out of 15 items, they only got five of them right. So they're they're not keeping up like they used to, and some of them, they've actually changed over the last year. DuckDuckGo doesn't do any of that, doesn't keep track of anything. It's not, and Google isn't really even doing it anymore for marketing, as far as I can tell, other than for their advertisers. But they're not just picking people's staples up and just sending it to them automatically. DuckDuckGo has made such groundbreaking just getting into this business and having the presence that they've had the last decade is huge. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the next decade or two. This is a, it's a great search engine. It will keep track of your searching as much as you allow, but all the control is in your hands. It doesn't take much to get set up. It's got little extensions for every browser, and you don't have to have them, but you can. Set your browser so your default search engine is DuckDuckGo, and you still get access to Google, no problem. But I think that you'll be highly impressed with the speed of DuckDuckGo and the efficiency. And everybody that uses it adds to the efficiency. It's not going to take long. In fact, I heard a number that they jumped in market share, like 5%, um, in the last quarter of last year. That's that's huge. That's enormous. I don't know if it's true. I didn't have a chance to verify it. It wouldn't surprise me. DuckDuckGo is very, very popular today. And we're going to see this one grow and grow and grow. It's well worth your time to take a look at
0: it. All right. Uh, good. We've got time for maybe one more from our text line today. Yeah, Here on News Talk, 830-WCCO, uh, let's see, um, where can I get a word processor program, just a word processor, uh, with a USB feature to save what I've typed, I'm not sure exactly what they mean by that. Most word processor programs that I'm aware of kind of save on the fly, that if the, there's a you know, some sort of uh, you know, you go do something else. It'll save what you've typed. But uh, what, what, real quick, what are some word processors you recommend, Doug? Real quick, there's
1: just a plethora of them. Uh, you know, LibreOffice. You can download just the just the word processor if you want. Yep. Sure. There's free office. Uh, there's just a just an okay. enormous amount of of software available out there. I think that um, I think that they're confused with this USB thing because they'll save anywhere you want. They'll all do that. But look for something that's open source. Okay. Do a search. Word processing space plus space open source. And just watch them come up. There's a lot of them. You can test them. Feel free.
0: They're uh, right.
1: yeah, Most of them got trials. It's easy to find.
0: All right. We, we've got to run. Uh, Doug, your phone number and email.
1: Uh, thank you. Six five one five five two nine five four three, 651-552-9543. And, of course, admin at wccotech.com. A-D-M-I-N at wccotech.com 651 651-552-9543. And thank you, Steve, and have a good week.
0: All right, you as well, Doug. Uh, we'll talk to you in seven days. Tech Talk Saturdays between 2 and 3. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours